0: We talk about the do's and don'ts of marketing in 2024, AI tools that we like, a little, little used LinkedIn feature, and we have a review of canned haggis this week on the Strong Coffee Drip. My name is Brian from Strong Coffee, and as always, I am joined by two willing participants, Duncan and Ian. Happy New Year, guys. Good to Happy see you. Happy New Year. Everybody had a fantastic holiday season. I hope Santa was good to both of you. Speaking of Santa, um, you can see if you look closely at Duncan, you'll see that he is sporting a strong coffee hoodie. And actually, if Ian lifts his hand, he might have a strong coffee mug in it. Unless you want to put it in the dishwasher. Okay. (laughs) We got those from Santa. So Duncan, it's good to see that you are uh, sporting yours. I am not uh, today. I know you had an incident with a seagull in your hoodie, but we won't get into that. That might make one of the outtakes. A quick show of hands. We had a a Christmas party for the office on the Friday before Christmas. Quick show of hands from everybody here in the room. Who tried the canned haggis? Hands up. (laughs) Okay. we got two. Anybody? Two of us. And there's three of us in the... Duncan, you didn't put up your hand. Do you want to explain?
1: Uh, Yeah, I was already feeling nauseous that day and I didn't want to exacerbate it.
0: Okay. Fair enough, and we we heard plenty about that when you were when you were there in the office. Um, so, Ian, I guess it's between you and I. I did get asked a couple of times over over Christmas from people that I know that have saw the seen some of the clips. Um, what did you think of the canned Haggis? Your honest opinion. What did you think? Would you have it again?
2: Um, my honest opinion was it was fine. Um, if you didn't like that then i don't think you would really be a fan of any better (laughs) haggis so yeah okay
0: i think your exact your exact words were oh this tastes like haggis yes so it was it was like it it wasn't any shock to you when you had it it's like oh yeah this is what it's supposed to taste like yeah as an outsider's
1: perspective because i obviously didn't try it i will say the smell emanating from the microwave true was not as bad as I was expecting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I will agree with you
1: there, Worse, especially when you use like the office microwave, like I, <laughs> I was dreading what was going to come out of that in terms of smell and the, the lingeringness of, you know, the, the office microwave. But uh, luckily it was palatable. Probably
0: From the, the guy best. that didn't try it. Yeah. <laughs> um i can i agree with you duncan the smell wasn't as bad as i thought and truthfully um it wasn't the worst thing i've ever eaten it tasted kind of like um if you've ever had like a meat pie like the center of a meat pie with the 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 ground beef etc it also smelled a little bit like stew the thing i didn't like about it and correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, but there's oats inside of it. And right. what kind of got me was as I ate it, the oats started to form a bit of a paste. Okay. So by the time I had chewed more, it, it kind of went from like ground beef flavor and texture to more of a pate that I couldn't get off my teeth. And right. I think that's what kind of did me in where Weird. I had multiple bites, but it, it just, it ended, it ended poorly. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm happy that I tried it. I'm happy. There were other people... Uh, we'll show the video. There are other people in the office. Yasher tried it. The other Brian tried it as well. Um, Somebody went didn't seconds. get around to trying it.
1: There was a few seconds, yeah.
0: <laughs> I had seconds, yeah. So um, overall, a, a fun experience, and we had a lot of fun at the holiday party. Uh, we played some games. Uh, we had lots of donuts and we had pizza, and it was good to see everyone and see some, you know, some friends stop by too. So it was a lot of fun. I'm awesome. glad we were able to to do it. So all of that is behind us now. We are on to 2024. We've reached the new year. It's time to get back to work. Um, Hope you've had a few good days getting back back at it. I wanted to spend some time talking about our goals, our dreams, our aspirations for the new year. I'm just kidding. I don't want to talk about any of that because I could see Duncan's face like, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. (laughs) No, no worries. We don't have time for that. Instead, I thought it might be helpful to spend a little bit of time talking about some do's and don'ts when we look at the marketing horizon moving forward. Over the next 12 months, guys, give me one do and one don't from a marketing perspective for, for marketers out there. What are some things you think they should or shouldn't do moving forward to stay focused and to get where they wanna go? Ian, let's start with you.
2: Okay, well, yeah. Um, I think my one do would be uh, to be aware of new technologies Um, As we saw last year, uh, AI AI grew a great deal, and I think that's going to continue this year. I also think that this year augmented reality is going to uh, start to blow up a bit more as well. Uh, Obviously, Apple have their new headset coming out in the next few months, I believe. So I think augmented reality is going to start to take off a bit as well. Um, My don't would be uh, don't let that... uh, Let you neglect your customer experiences and don't forget your marketing principles obviously as a lot of new tools come out it is easy to get caught up in it um but you've got to make sure it's appropriate for you your marketing your audience and things like that you don't need to be on every single platform or using every single tool so uh, yeah so do be aware of technologies but don't let that neglect your customer experience
0: and to your to your point ian I think every day I wake up and I, you know, I hop on my com- on my computer or my phone to look at things, and there's always that shiny new tool that appears, and I swear there's a new one every single day. And I start reading it and think, oh, this is interesting to try. Maybe I'll, I'll I'm going to spend some time looking at this today, and then I have to catch myself and go, no, I have other things I need to do. And if all I did was look at these tools all day long you know, I, I don't know if I'd have time to oh, do anything else. So.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. They're coming out really fast. Yeah.
0: It's and it's hard too because there's always that shiny new toy that you see and you're like, Oh, what could we do with this? But we have to be aware of our time. Don't want to go crazy. Duncan, what about you? A do and a don't for marketers in
1: 2024? Um, I think, I think, I mean, let's just like build off a little bit of what Ian was saying, but like a big do this year um, is to, to really consider how, your audience is consuming media because I think as a generation, this is, this is, this is changing. Um, you know, video content, uh, is huge right now, especially kind of that first person video content or, or showcasing how you build something, anything like that, as long as it's sort of entertaining, people will interact with it. Um, the algorithms will interact with it and probably favor it. So this kind of like short form video is, huge right now. It's huge for awareness. It's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast in the first place. But it is a a huge change and shift in in how audiences are consuming media. And you know, businesses have to be aware of how they can leverage it, and how they can use it to get out um, content that their audiences will engage with. Now, a don't to that, though, is assume that just because you're making a video that you need to spend thousands of dollars on equipment and build and bring in a professional team to go and do this stuff. Most videos that people do that are successful are literally them holding up their phone or even in a tripod of them doing something. You don't have to go crazy with this stuff. It just needs to feel natural and not forced, which is why if you do it with a big agency, oftentimes you miss the mark.
0: And to your point, Duncan, about the equipment, it's very obvious we don't spend a lot of money on equipment, correct? I have lights, that's a start. (laughs) you have internet that sometimes works. Yeah. Ian spent some time doing his background, but I think you're correct, Duncan. The idea of, of video, I mean, it's always been big, but I think the idea of what a video should look like and feel like has changed over time. Gone are the days for a lot of businesses of creating the really polished looking commercial. And it's more, let's just get cameras in the hands of people and let's start creating that way.
1: Well, it depends on placement too, right? Like yep. if, you're, yep. if you're putting this on TV, or you know in movie theaters like yeah use the professional agency make a pretty ad but if you're just using this for content for content building for awareness it's just going to go on some social media platforms you don't need anything spectacular
0: yeah i mean a gopro i mean the you mentioned the phone a gopro is a great option too where you can create some pretty amazing video without um without a lot of a lot of effort so Good. And and to your point too, Duncan, we talked about video. I also saw an interesting article the other day talking about how there's that rise in long form content where for so many years we were going short form with your, well, I would have started with like Vines and then moved over to Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. And those are still vital parts of your marketing mix but there is that appetite now for slightly longer tail content. I know Duncan and I came from blogging backgrounds and we used to change up. Were we doing a short post or were we doing a long more feature post or do you split it into multiple? The same thing applies now with content. Um, You know, mixing some long tail, maybe a bit more of a storytelling angle into into your mix along with some of that short form. A, A nice mix I think is really important. My do is kind of going off of what Ian was talking about with tools. I would say go and think of things that take up a lot of your time or a lot of your effort, or it's really mundane, or it prevents, prevents you from doing other things because it creates log jams. There are probably tools out there that can help alleviate some of that. So, um, you know, if it's simple things like scheduling, for example, or a certain way that you create a post or create video content, are there tools out there that can help streamline what you're doing to allow you to do more things over the course of a day? And with so many tools out there, there are. So when we talk about, you know, I see new tools all the time. I don't look at all of them, obviously. I have in my head, I can't look at every one of these tools that comes out. But. Here are the big problems that I have and I'm looking for solutions to those. If I see something that might align with that, then I'll spend a little bit of time looking at those tools. So I'm not chasing the rabbits down every single hole, but I'm looking for something specific. And when I find it, if there's a way to maximize my time, it's probably a worthwhile investment. Oftentimes it's a monthly fee or what have you, um, but that might save me a lot of time down the road. So do your research and have a plan when looking at these tools. And my don't, this isn't a don't that is 2024 specific. This is a don't that I think I've been preaching and many people have been preaching for years and years and years is don't spread yourself too thin on social media. Um, You can't be everywhere. You can't create enough content in a day as a small business owner, a medium-sized business owner or a small marketing team to actually go and sustain a a strategy across every single social media channel out there. So be... um, strategic on where you're placing your content. Be aware of the resources you have available to you and make good decisions based on that. Um, and I think you'll you'll have a lot more success. So don't spread yourselves too thin. You can always add later. It's really hard if you go out and you're on everything to begin with only to realize that you don't have the time or the effort or the, the money to be able to sustain all those. And then you have to start backtracking off of things. So that's my don't. Some good ones, guys. Good job. First question of the new year. I think we nailed it. And great news. We're going to hop back into the mailbag for the first time in 2024, where the questions are real, but the names and locations are not. This question, the first question of 2024, comes from Hector in Tucson. Hey, guys, I feel overwhelmed by all the new AI-powered tools out there. We were just talking about this, Hector. Great timing, Hector. Hector. I have no idea which ones to try. So two questions, how do I know which ones to research and which ones do you guys actually use on a daily basis? Well, guess what, Hector? We already answered the first part of the question for you. Have an idea of what you're you're looking to achieve or what your log jams or your problems are, and then figure out what kind of tools you need to research. But on the idea of what tools do we use on a regular basis coming from an AI kind of powered tool, if you will, I would say we've been pretty good at, at um, finding ones that make us better and allow us to do more things quickly. Duncan, what's one that, one AI-powered tool that you use on a regular basis?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, just to kind of clarify Brian's point is, you know, there, there's basically AI for everything. So yeah. if, if you are doing video like we're doing now, if you're writing, if you're doing image edits, um, Coding, Uh, there's AI tools that exist for that. So, I mean, obviously isolating what you are trying to actually achieve is important when we're trying to drill down what AI tools to use. Um, Probably the tool that I use the most is uh, ChatGPT. Largely, uh, like depending on how you use it, you can use it to ask it questions to gain more information and more insights on a lot of things that you may not know about. Um I use it quite a bit to reinforce or ask for like statistics based on certain ideas I might have um also understanding how certain things work in the world I, It's a very useful tool in a lot of ways because you can provide it a lot of context and ask for you know responses based on the context, not necessarily just a generic response, which becomes very useful if you ask the right questions so I mean, it is one of the most popular tools for a reason. It has a lot more data sets than I think any other um, written tool that's out there. I mean, they're also getting into trouble a little bit with, you know, I think it's the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times saying that they're pulling content from their site. I don't know yes. any of the specifics on that, but the point simply being is they have a lot of reach and a lot of access to a lot of data, which makes for a pretty cool tool to be kind of your buddy when you're um, trying to ask questions when you're trying to do a little bit of research when you're even trying to just you know brainstorm copywriting like it does it all and it does it all quite well
0: i like it to summarize larger mm-hmm. articles that's that another I great tool too. for it yeah. that's a really simple way um, again doesn't replace a human but it can help you do more stuff quickly mm-hmm. you know you only have so much time in the day so yeah that's a, a great one chat gpt mm-hmm at this point is for a lot of people is considered like the original AI tool when it's not very old at all, but it's just how fast we're moving. Ian, I know this is something that you take a lot of interest in. Um, and we were talking earlier about some of the stuff that you've been looking at, what would be one, um, one tool that that you would use on a regular basis from an AI standpoint?
2: Yeah, there are, um, obviously, like you say, there are so many new tools coming out. It's hard to whittle it down to just one, but, um, The other thing to bear in mind is that AI is being added into a lot of tools that you've already been using, whether that's, you know, search engines like Bing or um, Google Docs, things like that. So the one I wanted to focus on was actually Photoshop, um, a tool that I'm sure many people in our industry have been using for a long time. Um, If you're on the latest version of Creative Cloud 2024, the Generative Fill feature in uh, Photoshop I found really, really helpful. we often get uh, our clients provide us with images that they want us to use in either ads or banners or things like that. Sometimes they're the wrong orientation. They might provide a vertical image that doesn't crop well into a square or can't uh, be cropped landscape. And I've been using generative fill tool in Photoshop to really just help us um, get uh, images that the client's happy with without you know, cropping them in a way that doesn't doesn't look as good as it could. Do you remember those times, Brian, when
1: we were given like a, a a daytime image of a place, and the client was like, "Well, can you just make this like nighttime?" <laughs> I actually mm-hmm. think like the, this new tool can do this. A heck, of, it used to be an in, it used to be an inside joke. We'd be like, "Okay, I'll yeah. just let's just make this summer image winter, and no one will know yeah. the difference." And that's just like a click of a button with Photoshop. Like, well, no, that's not exactly how it works. But now, now I actually think you it's can do that. Doable. No. You can literally take an an image that's like a summer photo and be like, just select everything and be like, make this same photo wintertime, and mm-hmm. it would probably do it pretty well.
0: It was an inside joke in our office for till years. it's
1: reality, yes.
0: Till it's reality, yeah. But it used to be, can you guys make this daytime image nighttime? We need it for the website, and we're just like, how on earth do you expect us to do that? But you're right, we could probably do it now, which is crazy to think.
1: I actually think we should do a little mini segment. We should see if Ian can take a daytime picture and make it a, a winter or whatever it is, image just in real time. Let's just add it to the end of this. It'll be great. And we'll just
0: we'll just all no stand and, and applaud yeah. him when he's able to do it. But Ian, your, your point about the, uh, the tool you're talking about, I had seen it done online. I, somebody posted a video and they were showing how they had to extend a background of an image. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool and didn't think much of it. And then actually got working with Yasher from our team. And the exact thing happened that you were talking about. We were given a um, a, a vertical photo, but we had to use it on a uh, kind of a hero image on a website. And normally you'd be like, well, how on earth are we going to do this? We're going to have to put a different background in the background or whatever. Um, And yeah, he used... He used the fill tool, yeah. and next thing you know, it was seamless. the The thing was as wide as we needed it to be. The subject was still in the middle. It was yeah. really, really cool to see, and it took a, a couple minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, my tool kind of plays off of Ian's. Um, I've been experimenting a lot with Capwing lately. Uh, capwing is not only just a single tool; it's kind of a suite of of tools that allow you to do a bunch of different things, especially in the video world. And um, they've started to really implement AI across the entire suite of tools. So for example, they now have the ability to um, make an article into a video, um, an AI video script generator. There's a B-roll generator where you can say what kind of B-roll you're looking to add to your video and it makes it. There's the AI photo generator. Um, And then they also just have their standard video editor as well. It's a really, really powerful tool. It doesn't cost very much money, but if you are looking to create videos, you know, even if you see our strong coffee drip videos on social, the vertical ones we share with the captions, etc., those were all built in Capwing, and um, and just the AI tools make everything a little bit it makes it everything a little bit easier, and they're just that that much helpful, more helpful than trying to figure it out on your own. So um, I really, really like them. Uh, cap wing and the, and the tools that they've got. And I highly recommend them. Hooray for AI. AI is here to stay. You know what else? Hooray for our final segment of the day. Hooray for LinkedIn. I know LinkedIn doesn't get a lo- lot of love all the time.
1: Well, we were going to, we had that discussion about um, the, the changes to the keyword.
0: Well, I'm going to talk about that at the end, Duncan.
1: <laughs> oh, well, you said there was only one left.
0: Yeah, but then I was going to jump in and do something at the end to surprise everyone, kind of okay, like, well, like here we're almost done," and then be like, "Oh, surprise!" Oh, I okay. ruined the surprise. Okay, we're not editing this; we're just going <laughs> to work. Okay, you know what else doesn't get it? No, it doesn't get a lot of love, guys. Anybody want to guess? LinkedIn, LinkedIn, <laughs> yes, <laughs> LinkedIn. I don't know why LinkedIn doesn't get a lot of love. But I think LinkedIn is one of the most powerful social media platforms out there. I really enjoy LinkedIn, both from a personal perspective and a business perspective. Um, They're they're integrating new tools into it all the time. And kind of a hot tip of the day, something I wanted to talk about was LinkedIn newsletters. Now, these aren't a new tool. These have been around for a couple of years. But I think they've kind of flown under the radar and not a lot of people uh, know about them. And what I like about LinkedIn is if we think about what LinkedIn used to be, it was basically a directory of people and their experiences, and you made connections there after you went to a conference, and then you shoved it off to the side, and you didn't worry about LinkedIn for another six months until you went to another conference. It was almost like a way to trade business cards is really what it used to be, and that's the perception that I think a lot of people have of it, but they've been working really hard to be more of this kind of one-stop social channel where there's different ways to create content and share your skills and your your knowledge, et cetera. And newsletters uh, came out a while back, and I think they're a really valuable tool for either individuals or businesses looking to get more content out to the people that follow them, to people in their industry, et cetera. So it's very similar to a standard e-newsletter that you're probably creating already. Uh, LinkedIn users can subscribe to your newsletter right on LinkedIn, and then you publish it through LinkedIn, and it gets sent out to people. Um, I've subscribed to a couple of them. I got one of them this morning. It actually came to my email box, but I had subscribed to that that newsletter through LinkedIn. So through a connection that I had met on LinkedIn, somebody that I know through LinkedIn, and instead of you know watching for their posts and maybe I miss them, et cetera, this is a way for them to repackage their their post from the past week or the past month or whatever they wanna send out their e-news or their newsletter and package that up and send it out kind of in one, one nice little piece of content that I then receive and I can go kind of go through it. So e-newsletters or newsletters are nothing new. The ability to make them and publish them through LinkedIn is something that is maybe a little bit newer um, I highly recommend if you're whether you're an individual on LinkedIn and you share a lot of content there and you want to find new ways to get it out to people, or you're a business on LinkedIn and you want to share that content out to your followers and beyond, explore the newsletter feature. If you go into LinkedIn Help, it's really easy to, to build one. Um, you actually do it when you're going to create a post on your page. There's the ability to have a drop down and you go select it from there. Uh, but just kind of an underused little-known tool on LinkedIn as they continue to expand their horizons and offer creators and uh, professionals other ways to connect and share content. So quick tool, tip of the day, uh, LinkedIn newsletters, give them a try, especially if you are on LinkedIn on a regular basis. Now, before we end the day, let's talk about a couple more things. Duncan likes to come up with new ideas and stories right before we record every week. And you know what? Kudos to Duncan. Cause last time we talked about taters, the cat, the, um, the video of a cat chasing a laser beam from, from that was beamed back to earth from 19 million miles away. Kudos to, 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 uh, Duncan for that. Duncan, I don't know if you I realize. Take away. An... Okay. Well, yeah, I don't, <laughs> but I was going to say, I don't know if you realize that there's a bit of an Easter egg in our, in our strong coffee drip today, as a, um, as a homage, if you will, to your Taters the Cat uh, video, if you check out the hoodie I'm wearing, NASA, my NASA hoodie. I put this on today because I remembered it's about scary. Taters the Cat. All right. So kudos to Taters. But Duncan, you actually found an interesting story um, about something that Microsoft is doing that ties into AI as well. Share, please.
1: Yes, so the most incredible advancement to the Windows keyboard has happened. No. Microsoft in the last thirty four years have not added a single button until now. They've added a AI like assistant, so like Clippy, but like for twenty twenty. Smart
0: more. clippy. Smart Clippy.
1: With a button. So the the last time they actually edited the keyboard for like their Windows was back thirty four years ago, nineteen ninety can't believe that's 34 years ago. But 1990, they added that Windows button and they just announced that they are adding kind of a chat GPT or or AI assistant button to their keywords um, moving forward, which will be kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, Microsoft is integrating AI into their business suite of products, um, a lot of their different tools. So it seems like a natural progression. But the shocking thing is that It's taken 34 years. The keyboard has been the way it's been for 34 years without any improvements until now. I mean, yes, we've had ergonomic keyboards made. We've had weird letters made, but it's not a new button. It's just a replacement of the existing button. So anyways, I thought that was kind of cool that they are fully integrating it into our lives. And you can just tap a button and it's there.
0: And you know what? That might be a good entry point for people to experience AI, right? You yeah. just hit a button see what happens.
1: Absolutely, Yeah. I agree.
0: Um, I guess further Duncan, to your point about Microsoft, um, going a little bit unscripted now because oh. we haven't talked about this ahead of time, but um, let's go around the table. Your feelings on Clippy. Did you use Clippy when he was available to you? Did you ignore him? Uh, Kind of quick round the table. Ian, go first. Your thoughts on Clippy.
2: Um, I do not really remember using Clippy very much. I remember the, it looks like you're writing a letter or it looks like you're writing whatever. But uh, I think it was quickly dismissed from my desktop. And I just got on with it. He was very observant. He (laughs) knew what you were doing.
0: He's like, I'm here to help but most people did what you did. Duncan, your thoughts on Clippy?
1: He was like the the simplest little bit of AI. If you typed the word deer <laughs> as your first word, it would be like, oh, my time to shine. You're writing a letter. Let me help you. Here's your templates. Um, it, honestly, it, it's just going to go down in like internet history of, of uh, as that like, it's still a joke. It's a meme. It's a constant meme nowadays, and everyone who was you know, around at that time frame will always remember Clippy fondly. Um, did I use it? No, it was an irritating tool that it gave you crappy templates to write a letter. <laughs> and not a lot literally, of literally you type or D and it's like it pops up. It's like hey, I'm here. But no, don't okay. don't use don't use Clippy. Not you can a also do of like the yours yours truly at the end like it people don't talk like that Clippy and it was just too weird but it it, I liked Clippy I mean I used him all the time yeah
0: props to Clippy I like Clippy
1: he was he was was... the most eager employee that I think Microsoft has ever had (laughs)
0: yeah fair enough well I like Clippy I would use Clippy again if he came back so shout out to you Clippy wherever you might be in the stationary drawer of Microsoft now, or wherever you are. Kudos you to you. understand
1: how his right. eyes attached to his body, they're just kind of like floating there. Just like, oh.
0: I mean, when your body is a paperclip, there's not a lot of anatomy going into it to begin <laughs> with. So um, I never once thought about his eyes, but thank you, Duncan. You're welcome. All right. Well, uh, before this train goes off the rails, <laughs> I think it already has. Um, <laughs> that is another episode of the strong coffee drip in the books. Thanks to everyone for listening and watching, uh, for subscribing, whether it be on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We're having a lot of fun doing this, as I always mention, Um, even if it does go off the rails from time to time when we talk about Clippy. I'll make a note never to bring up Clippy again. Um, Thanks, guys, for joining, as always. Now let's get back to work. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Uh